leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the midcourt strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe from way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes! It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and with me this week, I've got a very special guest. He's a fellow sports business classroom alum making his second appearance on the show. He's also the host of the Cavs Central Pod, Justin Matcham. Justin, thanks so much for, for coming on. Thanks for having me, Gary. Glad to be back on here with you. Um, a fun time to be watching the Cavaliers, a fun time to be talking about the Cavaliers. So very excited for the subject matter today. Yeah, there's uh, there's no one better for me to have on than you, of course. Uh, big time Cavs fan, as I mentioned, hosts his own Cavs, uh, Cavs-focused podcast. And uh, I'm in complete agreement with you. I, I wasn't necessarily planning to talk this early in the season with you about the Cavs, but uh, that's just kind of where I've uh, gone in terms of a lot of my viewing I've watched a good chunk of their games and they've been as you said pretty entertaining and they've played uh, I think another thing that's made this early season interesting is that they've they've had a pretty tough schedule they've had no easy mm-hmm. games and have played all like you know teams that I think were either in the play-in or in the playoffs last year yeah no it's been it's it's wildly surpassed what my expectations were um, at this point in the season for this team. Uh, I, I thought coming out of this road trip with it, which they just finished most of the games of which were on the West coast against, you know, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Suns, uh, uh, finishing up with the Hornets, you know, another good team uh, to, to come away from that road trip with a winning record is honestly way beyond what my expectations were, you know, heading into the season. And like you mentioned, just, all playoff teams that they're going up against, you know, the, the Grizzlies mixed in there, the Nuggets mixed in there. Um, it, it is kind of an interesting discussion of, you know, how sustainable it is for this team. I think looking at the hot start this year um, compared to last year, I think a lot of the hot start was due to unsustainable play by Andre Drummond, uh, which I think we all kind of knew was never going to last forever. Um, I guess you can kind of say, and we'll, we'll get into everybody, I'm sure, 
but Ricky Rubio has kind of been the veteran that's gotten off to a hot start for this team. Um, and it will be interesting to see, you know, he, cause he, Ricky Rubio has had to carry uh, the Cavs through some games down the stretch uh, more than once. Um, it'll be interesting just to see if he can kind of sustain that as far as his hot shooting streak, even from outside, he's had some really, really hot games, but yeah, just a lot of things that are going right for this team. Uh, not everything. There are, you know, some concerns I'd say still, but uh, after a little bit of a rocky start for Larry Markin, and I think he's looking okay now on the defensive end, even at the three spot, which I did not expect at all. Um, obviously, Evan Mobley is exceeding, you know, what we could have hoped for, you know, in his first 10 games of his NBA career. I feel like, you know, there were a lot of people out there that thought that this was going to be more of a project with him. Um, you know, it wasn't going to really be maybe in rookie of the year consideration, you know, just in year one, he was going to be more of a long-term you know, look at where he's at three years, but he's already kind of playing at that level to where he's already really impressing everyone and really impacting games in a way that just not a lot of rookies do, um, especially on the defensive end. So, yeah, a um, lot of lucky breaks, I think, for this team right now is for, well, I won't say lucky, but just a lot of things breaking the Cavs way early in the season. Yeah. So just to look at their, uh, their, profile right now through eight games they're sitting at four and four overall they're 22nd in offensive rating 14th in defensive rating and 19th in the NBA in net rating and uh, most recently they defeated the uh, the Charlotte Hornets 113 to 110 on Monday they uh, they get back home and play the Blazers on Wednesday night but uh, yeah you brought up a lot of things there and and we'll get to all of it but first uh, first Justin I had a couple of statements regarding Evan Mobley that oh uh, that I would like to uh, to to say, and I, I would just like to hear your response if you think they're if they're crazy statements, if you think they're you know if they're they're pretty sensible or or what. But I'm going to start by saying that Evan Mobley is the best player on the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. Not not theoretically in two years. Right now, he's the best player on the Cavs, and also that Evan Mobley is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Am I crazy? A defensive player of the year candidate. I think. Okay. So I'll start with statement number one. Um, I don't think you're crazy to say that he is the best player on this team right now. Uh, I do think it's very much up in the air uh, just because there have been a lot of guys who have performed well. Like I said, you could make a case that Ricky Rubio has been the best player on this team at points in time. You know, obviously I, I don't think that's going to sustain itself, but there have been times where they've leaned on him entirely late in games to carry him home. And he's produced on offense. And, you know, he's been another guy who's of, especially of the guard bunches, you know, clearly the best defender of the group um, looking at more. So, you know, the ball dominant guards, not if you include Isaac Okoro as a guard, whatever though. Um, other than that, Jared Allen, I think has also been awesome to start the year. I think he makes a case just again, based off of production numbers. Obviously we know that he was shooting like, 89% from the field at one point that's dropped off a little bit, but, you know, it's still been a very effective player on both ends. I think he's taken a step forward on defense. I think his room protection has been really, really good. Uh, you know, fits into what this weird defensive scheme the Cavs are trying to do really, really well, as far as being able to switch a little bit. Um, still, you know, I mean, last game had a 24 and 16 game on nine of 13 of it, you know, shooting, uh, haven't really seen a lot of from him outside of the paint. You know, we've seen him venture out a couple times. Uh, you know, didn't I think I only I think he shoot I'm trying to think. I only remember him shooting one corner three this year. It's something we saw a little bit more of last year. Not really sure 
how much of that we're going to get this year, but another guy who has made a case. And then obviously Garland and Sexton, you know, I think there are a variety of opinions out there on both of them. Uh, and they will both have a case to make as the season goes on. I think Colin was the best player on the team last year between Colin and Jared. I'll say that. Um, and I think that they both um, have a case again this year. I think I'd give the edge to Colin right now, but Evan Mobley has just been so un- unbelievable on defense. Um, and there are still things that are, you know, clearly flaws, um, things he needs to work. And I think he has not been very effective as a, sc- a screen setter at all, which isn't the end of the world when you're playing on the floor with two other bigs. Uh, most of the time in Evan or in, uh, in uh, Laurie Markinen and Jared Allen, and even Kevin Love when he's been in there, obviously out with health and safety protocol now. But when he has been out there, just another guy who is capable of setting screens, but just the thin frame and I think just – I won't say lack of rolling gravity, but just lack of ability to really move people when he is kind of diving to the rim hasn't helped him. Uh, has been good as a role man, you know, just as a lob threat who can really just catch anything anywhere and finish a very athletic finisher in the air. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's absurd to call him the best player on this team at all. And he's been by far their best defensive player. Uh, is he a defensive player of the year candidate? Um it's interesting. It definitely is. I think I'd still definitely give the edge as of right now to Rudy Gobert. I think Rudy's been good to start the season on that end. Um, you know, you have your your cases for Anthony Davis, who's you know been good still on a struggling Lakers team. Not having Ben Simmons there certainly helps. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm all the way there on defensive player of the year yet, but I think you certainly have to have him as a candidate for an all defensive team. Like, I don't think it's completely out of left field to say that he has a case for defensive player of the year. I probably wouldn't yeah. give it to him, but. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him as the favorite, but I would probably, honestly, I think I would have him in the top five right now. And I've got some, I've got some stats to back this up as well. And, and obviously the eye test has been incredible, but uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Cavs are 4.7 points better defensively when Mobley's on the floor. Opponents are also shooting 5.8% worse at the rim and get this 14.2% worse from short mid range when he's, yes. when he's on the court, there was, no, he's uh, been swallowing people up. Yes. And he has this, you know, a lot of people were comparing him to the, and he's been compared to the likes of Tim Duncan and Anthony Davis. And, you know, at least defensively, I think those are legitimate comparisons. He has both the, you know, Anthony Davis has those plays where guys will go up for a shot and then they'll just be shocked at, at Davis's length and mm-hmm. they'll miss, miss a shot by two feet. There was a play in the Atlanta game where Bogdan Bogdanovich curled off a screen and, and pulled up for a 15-footer and Mobley stuck out his left arm and Bogdanovich <laughs> overshot it by like two or three feet. And yeah. you see a couple of those every game. Where you're like, oh, this guy really does surprise people with how long he is. And then... There's other plays where uh, there, there was a play in the Clippers game where Justice Winslow got the ball on the right side of the floor <laughs> and he went to put up a little floater and Mobley just straight up caught it. And, uh, so there's yeah. there's that Tim Duncan element, too, where he's just always seemingly in the right place. There's been there's been very few instances where a guy gets to the rim and Mobley's just not anywhere near that the, the picture. He's always seemingly either 
like a step ahead of the action or he's getting there right as the guy is going into the shot and he's altering those those attempts at the basket. Mm -hmm. So, you know, not only has the eye test been great for this guy, but the stats are showing that he's just making a huge impact. And, you know, as as a guy that was the third overall pick, and I think pretty much everyone said uh, that Cade Cunningham should be the number one selection. I looking at this now, and, and I know we haven't seen much of Cade yet, but uh, you know, I think Evan Mobley should have been in more serious discussion as the the best player in that in that draft. Yeah, I still think Cade was the clear choice for me uh, coming in. Although Mobley has been incredibly impressive, I think he certainly has more of a case now than he did. Um, I think especially, you know, the, the debate between him and Jalen Green, I feel like Jalen Green was kind of becoming the rookie of the year favorite um, just among, you know, general media and fans um, before the season. And I think that's clearly flipped between those two as far as just public perspective. Um, obviously, Cade is still hurt. And we're, well, he's not hurt now, but he is just coming off of an injury. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes there, obviously. I, I mean, he played tonight again. I, I, I have watched a little few minutes of that game, but haven't really gotten a chance to look at exactly what he's been doing on the floor. Obviously there hasn't been a ton, but yeah, just kind of going back over to Mobley, um, just what he's able to do on defense. You mentioned kind of that short mid range area. Um, guys are at the point now where it's almost, they're not even trying to attempt those shots. They kind of get to the spot. Um, and those who have tried to get those shots off um, have either, you know, just gotten blocked or, are you know, not really close on the shot. Um, it's it's gotten to a point where, you know, I think it was Reggie Jackson uh, in the Clippers game, drove once, uh, got again to that short mid-range spot for a pull-up, hit like the front of the rim, and then did the exact same thing the next possession and just passed out of it, even though he had pretty much the same exact shot. Um, it's been really, really impressive. Just his ability to switch out onto smaller players, quicker players, guards, um, and just stick to them. He's such a sticky player. Like even fighting through screens um, has really been okay in that. Uh, and obviously the ability to just cover ground that he does helps him recover when he does get caught on screens as well. But um, yeah, as a, as a weak side uh, shot, rim protector and shot blocker has been really, really solid. Um, even on, you know, finishes that, you know, are converted, he's always there. Um, you know, just making his presence felt uh, has been good as a rim protector, you know, on, on the dominant side of the ball as well. Even, you know, in the post uh, does get pushed around by bigger centers. Um, but again, just the length and the ability to recover. We saw the block that he had on Zubats in the Clippers game as well, uh, where he basically got his entire uh, palm on the ball and the shot still somehow went in. Um, fortunately, it didn't for Mobley, but yeah, I mean, as a, as a rim protector, as an interior defender has just been awesome. And seeing him in these big lineups with Laurie Markkinen and Jared Allen um, to where, you know, those three can switch and they can just kind of swallow up anything that comes near the rim. Uh, that length has just really, really bothered defenders. And he's been really, really good and really essential, you know, in what Cleveland is trying to do on defense with those, you know, three long rangey defenders. Um, Mobley is kind of the piece that makes it all work for the other two guys. Um, and to your point about the on and off stuff too, um, especially when Kevin Love is the primary guy coming in uh, for him in most instances, uh, 
yeah, there's a little bit of a defensive drop off there between Evan Mobley and uh, what is it, 33 year old Kevin Love. Yeah, that's fair. But again, I think that's why, like it being a 14 percent difference, is what is so uh, what is yeah. so impressive there. Uh, I, I definitely agree, though, that there there might be a little bit of that. Might just be the fact that Kevin Love is uh, is not not particularly good on that end, and there still has been occasional moments where you watch Kevin Love and you're just uh, yelling at the screen because he's not getting back in transition defense. Oh yeah. Not getting back in transition defense, walking up the floor. Um, just kind of looking at a guy instead of going to close out. That seems like it's happened pretty much three times. I would say in every game that he's played in Yeah. Um, to where there's a rotation that's made uh, Kevin loves guy catches the ball at the three point line. Kevin love is standing on the block. And instead of even trying to run out to contest the shot, he just kind of lets him take it. Yeah. Um, but again, like looking at this team being 14th in defense, I would argue, given the strength of schedule that they've dealt with so far, they've played more at like a borderline top 10 defensive level. I mean, they they held the Clippers to 14 points in the first quarter of that game. Yeah, uh, they they no, were and it's, really, it's really been weird, too. Um, sorry, to, I didn't mean to cut you off on that. But just to your point of, you know, the Clippers seemingly having an off night. Um, the Nuggets had a really horrible game when they played them, even the, the Hornets. Um, just made some, it seems like, you know, just dumb, weird mistakes and a dumb, weird turnovers. The Lakers too had a ton of turnovers in that game. Um, it is kind of an interesting question with this team. And I'd kind of be interested to hear what you have to say. I know you haven't watched every single game they've played, but it seems like a lot of teams, I'm not sure if I'm not sure how to feel at all times about this defense, because it has been almost like, unnaturally high levels of just like head scratching turnovers, just like, I don't even know, but just high turnover, like everything is going wrong for this team type of night. Um, and it is kind of interesting and it'll be really interesting moving forward to watch um, whether that they are just kind of catching lucky breaks with teams kind of just being off on certain nights and just not being totally in sync or whether, you know, what the Cavaliers are doing are, you know, even potentially kind of getting into guys heads. Uh, with just all of the length that they're having to go against when they drive to the basket, even when, you know, you get some separation from one of the two guards, either, you know, Colin Sexton or Darius Garland, um, just having the help side defense of Larry Markin and Jared Allen, uh, Evan Mobley, Dean Wade, when he's been in there as another, you know, solid defensive big, same with Lamar Stevens. Um, you know, all those guys have also had their moments throughout the season so far. Uh, it is really, really interesting because it just seems like we're seeing so many just kind of, you know, dog fights as far as low scoring affairs. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether that kind of continues or whether it has just kind of been an anomaly. That they have gone up against teams this many times that just seem to be having such off nights um, shooting and turnover wise. Yeah. I mean, a stat to back up what you're saying. I mean, opponents are shooting just 32.4% on, uh, on threes against the Cavs. So, you know, that is something that could potentially regress to the mean, but uh, you know, if people don't remember, like the Cavs for the first month last season under Bickerstaff were were elite on defense. We're were pretty darn good. And I remember a lot of like they would play just some kind of funky stuff, some matchup zone type stuff. And Larry Nance was mm. was playing great. And we saw in that Atlanta game, you know, the Hawks, I think, had 55 points in the first half of that game and were kind of getting whatever they wanted, as they usually do with Trey Young and, and that group. But uh Bickerstaff comes out to start the third quarter and they play a three, two zone and they put Mobley at the top of that zone. Mm -hmm. 
which I thought was was really, really effective because he's got the length that he can contest the three at the top, but also, you know, deny that pass to the middle, which a lot of teams are trying to get to get to that mm-hmm. middle of that zone. Um, and but, it's funny because you still have Laurie and Jared Allen at the bottom for rim protection. <laughs> right. So, you know, bigger staff, I don't I don't know. Like uh, he to me, his best strength as a coach is on the defensive end. And he I would agree that, he does have that tendency to be able to say like, okay, well, if, if teams do have it working against us, we're going to junk it up. We're going to throw something new at them. We're going to, you know, we're not just going to sit here and let them continue to do this to us. And uh, you know, the, he hasn't had to do that too much because their man defense has also been good, but it is certainly, as you said, something to keep an eye on moving forward, given that last year, the defense fell off like it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and obviously, uh, health-wise, this team hasn't dealt with anything yet. Like I said, Kevin Love uh, is going to be out with health and safety protocol, but this team hasn't dealt with any real injuries outside of the Darius Scarlet ankle sprain early on in the season. So, I, I mean, Larry Nance was kind of the guy last year to where when he went down with injury, uh, the defense really kind of started to fall off the cliff. Um, you know, we hope that that won't happen to Mobley. We hope that won't happen to Jared Allen or whoever else. I, you know, Isaac Coro, I guess I should mention, is the other guy who has been out. Um, and he that, that's hurt a little bit as far as just having a point of attack defender off the bench. But, uh, yeah, as far as the key piece to the defense, like Mobley or even like Jared Allen, um, th- there's no reason to believe that those guys won't stay healthy for the majority of the season. So Larry Nance, definitely somebody who has dealt with injuries in the past, just kind of got to hope that, you can have your key guys in place when needed. And I also think, you know, without Larry Nance last season being such an important piece, um, having guys like um, Allen now for an entire season, Mobley now for an entire season, you know, Ricky Rubio in the fold, um, Isaac in, you know, year two having, you know, had an off season to develop on that. end. I do think they have more supporting pieces on the defensive end as well to kind of help everyone else recover if maybe someone is out or for, you know, someone having an off night or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I will say, you know, I don't think the team has missed Isaac Okoro too much. You know, they've been playing Lamar Stevens in his place, yeah. but they did, they did miss him in the Lakers game. Cause Stevens, I think missed like three pretty point blank layups in that game that led to 10. Uh, it was more like five, but yeah, <laughs> it was bad. Um, you know, and I think Stevens still made his defensive presence felt in that game, but clearly still, um, I think it started to get into his head in that game as far as just shot making. We have seen him uh, with obviously the ability to hit layups. We've even seen a little bit of a mid-range game from him, but uh, a clear drop-off offensively still, even from Isaac Okoro. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the starting lineup uh, has got a really impressive defensive rating. They're sitting at 93.7, and that includes with Lowry Mm -hmm. Markinen, which I thought was going to be an issue, but – as you mentioned at the outset, I, I don't think it has been too much, at least defensively, but the offensive rating for the starting group is, is 95.7. So pretty horrendous. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are with market and then the fit, because yeah, my, my initial thought with when they announced he was going to play at the three was that he was just going to just get taken advantage of over and over on the perimeter, but he's, he's, been better defensively than I would have thought. Like he, he moved, he plays hard. He moves his feet reasonably well for a guy, his size. And, you know, he, he hasn't. And I think it also helps that he's got Jared Allen and Evan Mobley behind him. So getting beat off the dribble when you've got two guys that can protect the rim is, is not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think at the beginning of the season, it was kind of rough for everybody just because uh, I, I think it, there was a, a bit of an adjustment period for Laurie getting into be a small forward on this team. Uh, and it was a problem for not only him, but all the guards on this team as to where there were just so many back cuts off the ball. Um, and I think everybody, I'd, I'd, and obviously that's been fixed a little bit since um, to where, you know, there's just more defensive awareness, I think, off ball. Uh, the back cuts aren't happening as often as they were. But, yeah, I mean, Laurie's had his moments to where, again, there, there have been other things that have been bad. Like, obviously, a matchup like LeBron against the Lakers, uh, having to be the primary defender on him uh, when he was on the floor at most times, you know, when it wasn't Lamar Stevens, obviously caused some issues for him. Um, when he's had to be put into pick and roll as, you know, the, the guard defender, um, not the big, uh, has had some struggles there as well. But like you said, I think just having those two guys behind him has alleviated so many issues for this team. Um, you know, I mean, Colin Sexton, I do think, is also an improved defender, but still gets beat off the bounce at times, still gets caught on screens. Uh, Darius Garland still gets beat very often, you know, gets hammered by screens, dies on a lot of screens. Um, but having the ability to just have those guys behind him, you know, being Laurie Markkinen, or not Laurie Markkinen, but Evan Mobley and Jared Allen has just been such a help for everybody on the perimeter um, to where you can just use Laurie Markkinen to his strengths um, as, you know, an off-ball, you know, guy who can really create problems with his length um, to be a third guy to put at the basket to contest shots. Um, they've made it work really, really well in a way that I didn't think they'd be able to. I guess I kind of also thought just the lack of foot speed on the perimeter would be um, a little bit more of a problem than it has been, just again, because of the rim protection behind him. But I also just think, you know, you're also not running all of your offense through your small forward on every single night. You know, a lot of your pick and rolls are going through your guards, not necessarily, you know, the small forwards of the teams. Um, so, yeah, it, it's worked out so far. And I do think against teams that have small forwards as primary ball handlers, you know, the Paul Georges of the world, they luckily caught Paul George on an off night, the LeBrons of the world, there will still be real issues for him there. But overall, it's not been nearly as bad as I've thought. I'd honestly say he's been a pretty good defender, um, especially in the second half of the season so far. Yeah, um, and really the, the struggles have come offensively. He's shooting just 29% mm -hmm. from three so far. And, you know, a lot of the a lot of stuff when he was at his best with Chicago was him, like, coming off of screens and attacking the rim. But because the Cavs have two bigs that aren't, you know, super mm -hmm. respected as shooters, it's just kind of clogged, and he hasn't been able to do a lot of that other stuff. No, he, he, he clearly looks out of place at times. Yeah, but, uh, you know – as you said, just having three guys with wingspans over seven feet, I mean, that could be a part of the reason why teams seem to be having these, you know, high turnover nights against the Cavs because they just have a lot of length. They're able to to uh, take away a lot of passing lanes and also even just like contesting the three-point line. I already mentioned that the Cavs are doing a pretty good job in terms of opponent three-point accuracy. And a lot of that could just be that they've got long guys and even – Again, their seven footers are reasonably mobile, so mm -hmm. they can they can uh, you know rush out to a shooter and get their hand up and 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 really cause some problems. But the the other thing that's so wacky about this, given that they're starting three seven footers, is that they've been a terrible defensive rebounding team. Right now, they're 29th in the NBA in defensive mm -hmm. rebounding rate. 
Yeah, it's not really the strength of any of those three guys. Um, they are mobile, and I think you do go more for the mobility of those three guys than, they, you know, just for their brute strength. I think that's probably the biggest weakness in Jared Allen's game outside of maybe a shooting um, is just the lack of real strength inside and the ability to, you know, grab rebounds. Um, I don't think that's ever really been Larry Markkinen's strength. And obviously we know that Evan Mobley um, is still thin and against in battles against bigger centers is, you know, still going to struggle there a little bit, but yeah. And I mean, obviously looking at the other two guys on the floor, usually smaller guards, um, not a whole lot of rebounding on this team, which is funny. Um, But at the same time, like I think over, over, all I wouldn't say it'd be that big of a concern long-term. I think especially having Isaac Okoro back will help. Um, and, and obviously we're looking at small things, you know, what kind of rebounding are you going to get from small forward position? But even a guy like Dylan Windler, who we haven't seen get a lot of time so far, uh, is a, you know, very, very good rebounder for his position at the small forward. Um, so yeah, it is an issue. Um, we'll see, you know, moving forward. And this is talking about, you know, maybe in the coming years, how they'll address that, whether it is, getting more of a traditional backup center um, to replace kind of the weird semi Evan Mobley center minutes, the Kevin Love minutes, um, which Kevin Love has actually been rebounding the ball at a decent rate too, but still, by the way. Um, But yeah, I think added strength from Mobley moving forward, maybe even added strength from Allen. I mean, we we've yet to see him really, you know, do a ton as a defensive rebounder in his career, but it is an issue, but I think there are also, you know, bigger issues than you can have. Yeah. As you said, I think a lot, hopefully for over the next couple of years, it'll just be a matter of internal development there. Allen getting a little stronger, mm-hmm. Mobley getting stronger. And, you know, maybe it just will also require more of a commitment from, from the guards as well to, to box out and, and do their part. But uh, we'll see how well Darius Carlin and Colin Sexton box out. Maybe Colin, <laughs> you can count on a little bit more. But yeah, we'll we'll get to those two guys. I'm I'm interested in talking about them. But first, I wanted to talk about you, you brought them up a couple of times. Uh, Ricky Rubio and Kevin Love. Let's start with let's let's start with Rubio. And you've mentioned that this team has relied on him a lot in the early going. They've played some like three guard lineups where Rubio, mm-hmm. Sexton, and Garland are all playing together. Uh, but Rubio you know, doing what he's done his whole career, which is, you know, play, make, be a, a really good passer. Uh, he mm-hmm. can create his own shot and he's just a good, solid defensive player out there. But I think what really uh, makes him a good fit on this team, and it's it's proven at this point, the Cavs are 12.3 points better with Rubio on the floor. So he's, uh, as you said, there's an argument to be made that he's been the Cavs' best player this year. Um, but I think a couple of things that have been, great fits is one that he's got the chemistry with Kevin Love from their days Mm -hmm. in Minnesota. And then also with his time in Utah with the jazz, where they played the likes of Rudy Gobert and Derek favors together. I think he is uh, really showing guys like Garland and Sexton, how to manipulate the defense and orchestrate things offensively. When you've got two bigs that are kind of in the paint and the, the spacing isn't ideal. He's really good at figuring out ways using pass fakes, using uh, manipulations with the eyes to to hit those guys in good positions. No, I, I completely agree with you. And I think, you know, there's definitely chemistry there between him and Kevin Love. Those two guys clearly like playing with each other on the floor. Um, 
you know, the, the two man game there, we've seen a lot of, and I, I do agree with you too. And I actually really hadn't thought about the whole jazz point as far as him playing on the floor with two non-shooters in Utah. Um, I'm sure that experience has helped him a ton and has prepared him for this situation. And obviously being one of the few adults on this team, I, I will say, you know, old, you know, experienced veterans rather I'll say, um, yeah, I'm sure that, you know, he's definitely given tips as far as that goes to guys like Sexton and Garland, um, just as far as how to, you know, continue to find spots, like you said, use pass fakes, um, even just find those holes in the defense. And, you know, we've seen him make a lot of really, really impressive passes. Um, I think it's been hard, but I think both him and Darius Garland have done really, really good jobs just finding, you know, inches of space in the defense to, you know, kind of thread the needle for passes. Um, you know, in the kind of congested paint that this team has at times. But yeah, I mean, just the shooting for for Ricky Rubio, it has been a little inconsistent. Um, you know, it has dropped off a little bit as of late, but we're still seeing moments where just even as ugly as the shooting form is and the, you know, the slow release, um, he's just hitting shots right now. Uh, he's, you know, he's getting to his spots in the mid-range and just getting shots to fall. He's been hitting corner threes. He's been hitting off the dribble threes from outside yeah. to where he's just kind of taking the ball and just creating an inch of space and somehow getting the shot off and it somehow falls. Um, you know, down the stretch of the Atlanta game in particular, just caught fire um, and has just been able to kind of do what, you know, I think they kind of relied on Sexton to do a lot of last year. And I think Sexton, you know, is perfectly capable of doing that. But again, I just kind of think the veteran experience of Rubio at times has just helped to where, you know, when Colin can sometimes play at one speed. And I think that's another thing that um, that Rubio can help with with a guy like Sexton is just, you know, changing your pace, you know, finding different ways to score than just attacking and just, you know, in, in Sexton's case, getting into the, either the, the rim or to that short floater range and just trying to find other ways to be effective on the offensive end, especially just with the lack of spacing, I think. Yeah, overall, he's been just incredibly valuable to this team. And looking at last year when the majority of the season, his minutes were filled by Damian Dotson, who I thought did an okay job as a point guard who was playing out of position um, just from a you know general point guard responsibility role, um, but shot 27% from three and was still clearly not a natural point guard out there. I think replacing him with Ricky Rubio and – Del Vadova being the other guy who spent minutes at that position last year, Jetty Osmond being relied upon at times as well. Um, just been such a complete, you know, 180 as far as the production at that position. Well, and given the the lack of wing talent on this roster, it's good that they can throw out three guard lineups and they can throw out three big lineups. That's kind of yeah, their, that's... <laughs> that's their only options right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Rubio had a great run also in that Lakers game in the third quarter where it looked mm-hmm. like he was he was completely taking over and the Cavs were going to run away with it. But then Kevin Love had a, a horrid three or four minute stretch and the Lakers came mm-hmm. all the way back. Um but what are your thoughts on love so far? We, we've talked about that, uh, you know, a lot of the disappointing defensive effort is still is still there this season. Uh, but, you know, when I'm watching him on the offensive end, you know, he had that game against Denver uh, where he was he was really good, had 22 points in 21 minutes. But mm-hmm. he he looks healthier. He looks a little bit more like the old Kevin Love than we've seen in a few years. Well, I think that's the biggest point to make is that he is, I think, as healthy as he's been in quite a while, which I was really not expecting coming into the season. Um, My expectations for Kevin Love coming into this year were basically nothing. 
Um, I, I figured anything that we could get from him, if we got anything at all, would be a bonus, and we should just take it for what it is at this point. Um, didn't know if there was really going to be anything left. Obviously, last year um, dealt with a calf injury that kept him out pretty much the entire preseason. Was expected to come back in January. Didn't happen. Uh, was supposed to come back in mid-February. Finally came back. Uh, looked horrible. They sat him out again. Uh, came back a second time and still didn't look healthy. Um, you know, shut him down at the end of the season. Comes into USA Basketball. Is supposed to be healthy there. And that was what really concerned me was when he looked as poorly as he did with, you know, the USA men's team. Um, There was, you know, clear concern there, I think. And coming into this year, you know, I I don't think that anybody could have, you know, known what he was going to look like. So the the fact that he has looked as healthy as he has is really just such a huge plus for this team because he is still a guy who provides value on the basketball floor, even if there are the, you know, the, I won't even say head scratching because we know that it's just from lack of effort at this point, but just kind of the frustrating defensive moments. Um, We mentioned this team's um, weakness being, you know, one of their weaknesses being defensive rebound rebounding. I do think that Kevin Love helps with that, even if he can't get off the floor uh, quite like he could at one point. Um, But again, just having another guy who can facilitate kind of from the elbows from the, you know, the mid post, um, having another guy who can finish inside, having another floor spacer, um, another guy who they can go to for shot creation. Again, you know, with a lot of the lineups that they're throwing out there, um, you know, we've seen varying degrees of success with Mobley putting the ball on the floor and trying to get his own shot. Um, obviously not going to get a ton of that from Jared Allen, more of a play finisher, but just been another guy who can be out there and just be an adult, um, help a lot of different guys along uh, like I said, you know, has clear chemistry with Ricky Rubio. Those two have worked really, really well together in, in pick and roll or just, you know, on handoffs. Um, yeah, I think just the fact that we're seeing him out there on the floor at all is a positive. And the fact that he's played as well as he has, um, you know, been kind of a microwave scorer at times. Like you said, had 22 points in the one game. Um, has, you know, just been a guy who can, you know, get to a post move quick. Um, you can give it to him in the mid post and he can find a shot. Um, you know, with the shot clock expiring, whatever it may be, just having another guy who can kind of bail you out in times um, has been really a, a massive help. Yeah. And the the hope would be that he, since he's not being asked to play 30 minutes a night, that uh, hopefully that will help him, that will help him remain healthy throughout yeah. the year. And and I think like, you know, as much as I was questioning the whole Lowry market and playing the three, I think what that has opened up is the ability to, play more of their Kevin best guys for the majority of the minutes and limit those minutes with guys like Lamar Stevens and Isaac Okoro, who are still very limited on the offensive end. Um, By the way, just a quick side note. Yeah. Talking about Kevin Love's durability. What a shame that he's out with health and safety protocol and now has to rest for a few games. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I don't think they've made it clear uh, – and I don't think it's ever really made clear with these situations, at least up front, that uh, if it's a situation where he's tested positive or it's just yeah. like contact tracing type things. Mm-hmm. I would assume it's probably contact tracing, but all that's been said is that he's out indefinitely. So, yeah, we, I'm, I'm, we probably won't find that out until he's back. You might not even find out then. Yeah. So expect him to miss uh, at least the next few games. But um Let's get to the backcourt because, you know, these guys are obviously a big part of the foundation, the core of this of this basketball team. And uh, let's start with Darius Garland. 
he, uh, you know, just looking at some of the statistics, his assist percentage is up this year, up to 34.9%. That was 29.8% last year. His turnovers are, are, uh, are skyrocketing so far. He's at over 21% turnover rate. That was right below 15 last year, but again, small sample. Um, and then 49% of his shot attempts this year coming from three, which was just 32% last year. So that's a positive development. And mm-hmm. a big part of that is, uh, is because he's not getting to the rim as much, which is another mm-hmm. thing that maybe given the, the Mobley and Allen combination, you wouldn't expect him to get all the way to the basket as, as often. He's shooting just 14% of his shots at the rim. But uh, yeah, Justin, what is what have been your initial thoughts of, of Darius Garland here in what, year three? Yep, year three of Darius. Um, I'll just kind of start on your point with, you know, taking more threes and getting to the rim less. I do think that's the biggest factor uh, is just that, you know, there are two bigs at the rim a lot of the time. Uh, and Darius has never really been somebody who has gotten to the rim a lot in his career. Um, he's never going to be someone who draws a lot of contact on there. You know, is not gonna, is never going to be a big free throw guy as far as attempts. Um, when he does get down there, he prefers to finish, you know, a lot more with floaters or kind of up and under moves, you know, getting the defense off their feet and then finishing around them more than through them. Um, but it has been definitely encouraging to see the three-point, you know, attempts rise because I think that was a point of emphasis for a lot of people. He did kind of look hesitant there from times last year. Um, so just seeing him be willing to let it fly a little bit more is definitely a positive sign. Um, overall, I think there were certain people out there, um, and especially if you listen to different voices in the media, um, who were kind of expecting a Darius Garland explosion uh, this season. And I wouldn't say that that has exactly happened yet. And obviously um, getting a minor ankle sprain in the first game didn't help him really get into a rhythm, get into a flow uh, offensively, especially, but has definitely continued to show flashes of, you know, what he can do on the offensive end. I would say the good has looked really, really good for him um, as far as, Again, like I mentioned earlier, throwing some really, really difficult passes that make it through some really tight windows to guys for easy finishes, Um, you know, putting together a package of moves to get an easy mid-range look, Um, just pulling up and hitting, you know, consecutive shots from deep, whatever it may be. Um, He has shown the ability to do a lot of difficult things. And when it works, uh, it has looked really, really good. I think the biggest things for Darius Garland are going to be, and I think it's been this a lot in this point in his career, is just continuing to build consistency with it. Um, and like you said, obviously, like to the, the passing point, um, with the increased volume and in, uh, difficult passes and difficult passes made has been difficult passes, you know, not made and, t- and resulting in turnovers. Um, there, it is something that continues to be a bit of an issue for him. Um, and again, the, the lack of, I think he's, he's, he's very shifty getting into his spots, but I think, the lack of just pure burst and getting by guys doesn't always help him in that case as well. Um, yeah, overall, I think I, I don't think it's been a disappointing start. Um, I don't really think it was fair to expect him to be like a breakout, like most improved candidate. I don't think it's fair to put that level of expectation on anybody coming into the season. But I do think what we have seen has been good. Another guy who has been relied on to create offense. Um, I, there are th- people out there, I think, who want to see him take more shots still um, and just continue to be aggressive as a scorer. Um, but I, I have been satisfied with the, with the progress and development that we have seen on the offensive end up to this point, even if I do think that there's another gear he can take it to, 
Um, on defense, it's still been bad. Uh, I don't really know what more we can expect there. Again, just a guy who I think is always going to kind of get caught up on screens. Um, you'd like to see the effort increase there a little bit more because there have been times where he just kind of completely dies and, you know, maybe doesn't try as hard as he could to get back into the play. Um, you know, is never going to be a real deterrent around the rim. Um, you know, gets in the passing lanes when he can, but even then, you know, he's not a guy who's an elite athlete who, if he does gamble, is going to be able to recover as easy as other guys might. So I think, you know, it, it's clearly always going to be a struggle for him on that end. But overall, um, I think I would give him an incomplete grade so far on what we've seen from him just because he did miss that little chunk of time. I think he's getting back into his rhythm. Um, the increased three-point attempts have been extremely encouraging. And if we can see him continue to take them and make them at a high clip, which, again, we've seen flashes of this year, uh, it'll be really, really good for him. Yeah, I, I would say overall I've been pretty encouraged. Uh, I think he, I think he has taken a, a a leap as far as his passing, and and we saw a pretty substantial leap at, from him as a passer last year too. But uh, you know, even the even the turnovers, I think a lot of them are are ones where they're not like the Steph Curry where he's doing like a lazy behind the back, back pass, yeah. right? It's yeah. it's actually really creative. Uh, risky passes, but ones that you think like, oh, okay, well, if he, if that pass gets through, it's a layup, right? Otherwise it's a turnover. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of ones that I think you'd like to see, but he uh, he's, he's getting better at the wraparound passes, the gnashing the baseline and finding guys under the rim. Uh, he, he's been very good as far as uh, his, his passing acumen. And you've even seen teams, the Lakers at times were just straight up doubling him, showing him kind of the James Harden treatment on a few possessions. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, the other, the other big thing is his ability to, as you said, with the cramped space, he's not getting all the way to the rim, but that floater has been falling so far. He's eight of 16 from the short mid range, which is a really good number again, albeit small sample. Um, and you know, right now he is attempting more threes, but the shots aren't falling as much. He's at 31%, mm -hmm. but if it, if that gets back to more, what we've seen from him, which is, you know, mid to high thirties, the last couple of years, uh, this, this guy is really dangerous and he's turning into the player that I think the Cavs initially wanted when they drafted him. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And again, um, it has been a process for him kind of working himself back into a rhythm from deep, but there have been times where you do, you know, see him just kind of complete, not even catch and shoot shots, but just create his own shot from beyond the arc. Um, and get, you know, a, a string of two or three of them to fall in a row. Um, and, and those are the times where you really, really get excited for what he could do because, I mean, obviously that's just a, a devastating thing to be able to do. Um, yeah, if, if the number can come up to even 35% from where it is right now, I think that'll be an encouraging sign. Um, anything else above that, and it's going to be a real problem. Yeah, and again, speaking to the defense, I, I agree with most of what you've said. Yeah, you do see him die on a lot of screens. And then he's also got kind of what the, uh, you know, in the past I think was sort of a Harrison Barnes thing where he's not getting blocks, he's not getting steals, he's not fouling. You're just not noticing him at all on the defensive yeah. end. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right now he's got uh, – He's in the 41st percentile in steal percentage for his position, 25th percentile in block percentage, and then he's uh, he's committing fouls on just 1.2% of possessions. So, uh, yeah, just really not uh, making his presence felt on that end. But 
Yeah, I think that's just for given his size. Uh, I, I suppose the hope would be that he can he can at least develop into a guy that gets some steals and and occasionally makes some plays, as you said, get in the passing lane. But beyond that, uh, I don't think there should be uh, too high of expectations. No, I don't think that was ever the plan for Darius to be um, a defensive stopper for this team. But yeah, I mean, given that the team has still been able to have a pretty good, uh, well, a great defensive rating with that starting lineup with him out there, that's a good sign. But uh, yeah, he um, he hasn't been able to get this team out of the muck offensively, despite there there a lot there being a lot of uh, really nice flash plays. Um, let's get to the other the other backcourt player and a and a uh, a key a key player for this team's future in Colin Sexton. Of course, the team did not extend him this past offseason. I think they wanted another year to kind of see. Okay, does this guy actually impact winning basketball games? And uh, you know, I think another thing that the team definitely wanted to see some improvement from uh, from Colin was from the passing perspective. And so far, I don't know what your thoughts have been, Justin, but I feel like his passing has somehow regressed even from last year. I wouldn't say that it's actually regressed. And I think there were encouraging signs last year as far as ending the season, um, especially when Darius was out at times, um, with him being kind of the primary initiator again. And I think, you know, the the assist numbers are not always there. um, But I think showing the ability to make the right reads – and making some impressive passes as well, and just kind of showcasing the vision that he can have at times. Um, I'm, I'm not concerned about Colin as a playmaker really at all, um, especially when you have him on the floor with other guys who can pass the ball well. I think Mobley, I mean, talking just about another strength of Mobley's, he's been an awesome passer so far. Having him yeah. on the floor with a guy like Mobley, a uh, guy like Kevin Love, um, Darius Garland, Ricky Rubio, you know, you know whoever it may be. Um, lessens the need for him to make those plays all the time. Um, And and the one thing that I think has regressed more than anything with Colin Sexton right now, um, and just this year so far is his usage and his minutes. Um, That's been the biggest dip I think that I've noticed is just that even when he's on the floor, I think they're they're kind of trying to put him in a, a lower usage role just to see if he can focus more on the scoring and not have to carry in whole offense as much. Um, I do think he's been scoring efficiently still. Um, I think he's making the right reads on that end. Um, I just think one, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the whole potential assist thing because I mean, it's just a, a wormhole. You don't need to go down, but I think there has been a kind of an outlier instance with Colin Sexton, as far as him making good passes that haven't always, you know, the shots haven't always been, you know, converted into assists. Um, but I do think, uh, I think the instances of tunnel vision that we saw from him a lot earlier in his career, um, are not, you know, as prevalent as they are now or the other way around. But anyway, yeah, I mean, with Colin, we know what he's being asked to do on this team. Um, and it's not always passing the ball. Um, it is, you know, getting to his spots. It's just getting a dirty bucket when you have to, um, the amount of bounce that Colin has displayed this season, by the way, also has been really, really impressive. I think it was the Clipper game where he had three dunks. Um, yeah, and he had one that was uh, in transition, a lefty dunk, which mm-hmm. was uh, a poster. Really impressive. Yeah. Um, I think even if he still hasn't been good on the defensive end, I think there have been strides there um, as a point of attack guy, as someone who's just fighting through screens and who always get efforts 
he always gives effort even when he makes mistakes to recover. Um, it has been interesting that he hasn't always been in the closing lineups. Um, they have leaned a lot more uh, Garland and Rubio at times. Um, it, it is interesting just because I think, especially on a time on a team rather where the offense has been bogged down a lot at times, um, somebody who can get you a bucket when you need to, you know, just get into the teeth of the defense and create some offense. Um, it'll be interesting to see what his role is moving forward, just because it's not what I expected it to be coming into the season. Um, I think he's being asked to do a lot less. Um, and I'm just, I mean, I'm interested to hear what you have to say to that, just because I don't know. I feel like as far as what I expected the roles to be for everyone coming into the season, I may have been most off on section based on what he has done so far. Yeah. Um, that's, that's interesting. Cause yeah, they've, they've, uh, as you said, the usage is down a little bit and a lot of that is just right. Playing off the ball more. And he, he has this tendency where he, he really does like to still be active even when he's off the ball. And sometimes that, that uh, ends up being like, he makes really good cuts or he gets an offensive rebound put back and it looks really good. And then other times he's standing wide open from three and cuts away from the open spot and causes a turnover or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, So that's been, that's something to keep an eye on is like occasionally, yeah, he makes great cuts. And then other times he, he cuts himself out of position almost. Um, But they've, they've relied on him uh, a lot in transition. And they've also given that, you know, we mentioned Darius Garland doesn't really get to the rim too much. Ricky Rubio, you know, he gets to the rim kind of with, craft at times but Colin Sexton is they've really Colin made it going to get to the rim always yeah, they, <laughs> they want him to they want him to attack the basket and 44 percent of his attempt, attempts are coming at the rim this season he's also drawing a ton of shooting fouls he's drawing mm-hmm. a shooting foul on 14.5 percent of his shot attempts which is in the hundredth percentile for his position so he's doing a lot of what the team is asking him to do and, and doing it well and I think a part of the reason and I've got to disagree with you about the passing because I, I feel like I am still noticing a lot of issues with his passing or lack thereof. Um, there was, there was one play specifically in the Lakers game where he got the ball in transition and drove left and went along the baseline and both Jared Allen and Evan Mobley were running to the rim and he had opportunities to hit both of them and chose not to. And then he did a left-hand drive to the free throw line and had Lowry Markinen wide open in the left corner, decides to shoot it over three defenders and just got it blocked. And it's just like, oh, you, you see a lot of those plays. And, the instances and that, are certainly still there. Yeah. And, you can look at them and they don't look good. But I think in general, especially just watching them on a night-to-night basis, I think it has improved considerably from where it was. And I think it's to the point where, like, yes, it happens, but I, I won't say that it's as big of an issue as it was. Yeah, there are definitely some, there are definitely some positive signs. Like I think just in terms of the the very simple like basic reads where the the guy is cutting in his line of vision, I think he's gotten much better at hitting those plays. It's still those advanced reads, those skip passes, and I think part mm-hmm. of that could just be his lack of size that is that is a problem there. But yeah. um, you know, when when we talk about a guy not being a great passer, it's 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 confusing because it's multiple things, right? It's not only the passes that you do make, but it's the passes that you don't make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, you know, his, his first instinct is always going to be to score. And I don't think that there's anybody in the world who will, you know, argue that. 
Um, I do think, you know, there have been instances where I think it's more so in design plays than it is in just kind of freestyle where he has made some really, really impressive passes um, early in the season. I don't remember which game it was off the top of my head, but even had, you know, a really, you know, impressive no look to a cutting big, one of the bigs, I don't remember which one again, um, but from the wing um, has, has had times where he sets guys up for, you know, decent looks. Um, I think he's another guy who has gotten pretty good at kind of getting into the, you know, the teeth of the defense, getting to the paint um, and either doing wraparounds or kind of throwing behind him to guys who are at the basket um, in easy positions to score, even if he doesn't do it every time. Um, I think, it's kind of a situation where he's always going to look to score first and he is going to make those mistakes to where, you know, maybe there's a better shot um, available to him, but he has a good enough shot and he's always going to try it. I don't even know if I should say always going to try, but more often than not going to try to take that shot. And I think, you know, to an extent, he's so good at finishing on those plays to where it doesn't always burn him because he is, you know, a really high level offensive player. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's interesting to think about. You know, again, I know these on-off numbers can be skewed. Obviously, the this starting lineup is still trying to figure themselves out and everything. And um, but so far, like offensively, the Cavs are eleven point two points worse with Colin Sexton on the floor. And again, yes, he's a player that's similar to like a. I mean, I'm not comparing them as players in terms of their quality, but just in terms of that they have big time strengths and weaknesses, but I would say Colin Sexton is similar to Ben Simmons in a lot of ways where he has these things like his ability to attack the rim, like his explosiveness that you go, Oh, wow, this guy is uh, really special. And then other things where you talk about his defense, his passing, and you say, okay, this guy really isn't helping in a couple of areas and actively hurting your team and, and others. So um, I, I do think it was, it was smart of the Cavs to avoid extending him and, and see this play out because I do think mm-hmm. getting a, another full season to, to, to evaluate just, just how much he's, him, yeah. just how much he's impacting winning is, is big because, you know, if you're going to invest a hundred plus million in the guy, you better be confident he's helping you uh, win basketball games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be clear, like I am, I am not out on the, you know, the, the sex land backcourt um, pairing. Um, I think a, a common, and especially just amongst Cavs Twitter, especially um, there was a lot of back and forth as far as which one they should keep. Um, I, I think you can make it work with both. I think they're different enough as players. And, you know, again, you, you mentioned, you know, the, the, the numbers don't always show it, especially not right now, but I think overall there is a world where you can have those two coexist on offense um, and especially, I mean, the, the focus of this team over the past couple of years has to has been to build a defense around these two guys that works. And I think they're proving right now that they're kind of starting to get some success with it. So I do agree with you as to I probably wouldn't have recent ex, an, an extension agreement with them either if I were in that position. Um, I, I do think it is important to just kind of let the year play out um, and see not only the development that he has made because we, we all know that he is a, you know, kind of a maniac worker um, and somebody who is always going to put the work in and, and improve and get better um, as a player, as an athlete, whatever. Um, but just seeing the progression that he makes and seeing how he fits with, you know, the introduction of more key pieces in the guy like Mobley 
um, how he fits with another ball dominant guard in the backcourt like Rubio. Um, I, I do definitely think that, that was the right choice, even if, you know, I think the plan should still be to extend him at some point, assuming that he doesn't ask for an absurd number. Well, yeah, and I think the the offensive issues that uh, we've seen so far, like a lot of that could be alleviated just with internal development over the next couple of years. Like, say, Mobley mm-hmm. really improves that jump shot and becomes a true stretch four on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think opens that, the paint up wide open for a guy like Saxon, and yeah. Yeah, that would fix that would fix a lot of the issues. But uh, I mean, at the very least, though, I mean, Colin Sexton is really fun to watch, regardless of what you think of him oh, as yeah. a player. Like he's fun. Mm-hmm. No, and just the attitude that he plays with is something that you you can gravitate towards. Obviously, you get the moments this year where he's had some really monstrous stunks and just kind of does a lot of, you know, things where, you know, the, the, the offense isn't always even pretty with them, but just get some dirty buckets that you know, just works so hard to get. It's definitely always fun to watch him play. So the let's just, uh, we've, we've got one more player we haven't really uh, um, delved into yet, and that is Jared Kevin Allen, Pangos? of course. Oh, Jared Allen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Pangos, yeah. Um, we even saw uh, we even saw the uh, Denzel Valentine got, a, uh, got an appearance. Yeah, yeah Denzel Valentine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even realize until he came in that he was on the Cavs. Um but uh, we, uh, we, we haven't talked about Jared Allen. Of course, he got that big five-year, $100 million contract in the offseason. And uh, he's, he's shown some positive signs. As I mentioned, there's been some struggles with the, the defensive glass. And, of course, he is still somewhat of a limited offensive player, although he's been stretching out his skill set to be able to take more mid-rangers. And he's, as you said, even expanded out to occasionally shooting some corner threes. But uh, he is shooting 84% at the rim. There was the game, uh, the, the first game of the season against Memphis. What was he like, 12 for 12 from the field? Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, He's had a couple of those games. Yeah, it was uh, really impressive. And you, you look at his ability to just catch it around the rim, his patience, his ability to finish with both hands. He's got pretty darn good touch from like five feet men. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's had a lot of things where you go, okay, yeah, that's really impressive. And then at other times, you know, he's not playing at the end of games or, you know, he just goes through stretches. I think in the the Lakers game, I, I noticed a, a pretty big stretch where Dwight Howard was just kind of bullying him around and Allen wasn't making a big impact, but yeah. W- what have your thoughts been on the, on the Cavs young big man? Overall, I think um, we've seen the improvement that we hoped that we would see from him after giving him that much money after the Cavs gave him that much money. Um, I think he has been, what this team hoped that he would be. Uh, and, and again, you mentioned there are instances he's not a perfect player. Um, you know, again, bigger matchups, Dwight Howard's of the world. Dwight Howard has been somebody who has given, pretty sure it was against the Nets when Dwight Howard was a Hornet and he put up like a 30-20 game. I'm pretty sure that that was against Jared Allen. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a struggle for him his whole career. Yeah, but, um, and, and again, Dwight, Dwight Howard beasts against a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. That too. Um, but just been incredibly important for this team. Um, again, as much as Evan Mobley has been essential to what they're doing on off or on defense rather, um, Jared Allen is right there with them as far as just being such an important defensive player. Um, as far as a rim protector and another guy who can just roam the paint and create problems that way. Um, really, again, like we said earlier, just be able to switch, um, and, and move your feet well enough on defense to where you can switch onto guards. You can switch onto wings. 
um, and at least, you know, not have to pay for it too much. Um, you said, I think the ability to just hit kind of hooks and push shots from, you know, even the five to seven foot range, I would say has been encouraging for him and still not a great free throw shooter. But, you know, when we do talk about him expanding his games to, you know, corner threes or top of the top of the key threes, um, just having that touch, um, I think is at least an encouraging sign that even if it's not going to be a major factor for him ever, it will be at some point something that, you know, he can take the one or two of them a game and hit them at a 34% clip or whatever it may be, and at least be respectable from out there. But yeah, I mean, never going to be your most dynamic offensive player, but just the ability to clean up and finish everything down low at times um, has been really, really important for them on offense. Um, just having somebody who, when the offense does get bogged down, when when Rubio or Garland can find him, and you can rely on him to to again just generate points for you down there. That's been critical at times. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I've, I've been pretty impressed with him as well. I think he's a guy that's continued to to make incremental progress in his game. And yeah, I think as far as this particular team that he's on now, I think a couple of things that are going to be important. And you brought it up briefly, just the. Um, not even necessarily. I mean, yeah, it would be nice if he would if he would take some corner threes and actually be a threat from there. But even if he just got a little bit more consistent from that 15 foot range, um, you know, be in that short corner at times and be able to knock that down. And then also his big to big passing. I haven't noticed. I was going to mention his two game, his two man game with Mobley, which has also been really, really fun. Yeah, but I feel like it's been a lot more of Mobley feeding Allen than the opposite. I think Allen has got to got to improve and find those opportunities to to make a play for for his uh, his fellow big um and that's something that i think may just take some time and some chemistry to develop for that to for that to uh, start to happen mm-hmm. yeah i do definitely think it's been more mobley to allen but even just in those instances again i think you know mobley has just shown so much as a passer to where we've even seen you know a few times where like they've just run either a handoff with those two or a high low with those two. And yeah, I do think as the chemistry between those two builds, you know, we could see more Allen to Mobley, but just the ability to, you know, have both of them work together to, you know, generate shots has also just been another weird little wrinkle this team has thrown in. That's kind of finding some success. Yeah. And to go, to go full circle, we, when we were talking about Mobley at the outset, we mostly focused on his brilliant defense in the early going, but we didn't, we didn't talk much about his offense and, you know, yes, there are still some major issues there. We we've talked about his lack of strength. The shot is not there yet. Um, But although he's hitting some of those kind of dribble into the elbow and just pull it from there, you know, the elbow area, even, you know, some from, you know, the dunker spot or short corner where he has, at times just in rhythm gotten those shots and converted from there. Yeah. I mean, I I would say that like, despite the fact that the offense has not been great, I think every possible like flash that you would want to have seen from him, he's shown Mm -hmm. Uh, he's, he's shown the ability to, you know, there's been occasional plays where Garland will get doubled up top and we saw Mobley run that uh, or operate out of the short roll and run a four on three effectively We've seen him catch the ball at the three-point line, shot fake, take a couple dribbles and pull up. We've seen, as, as you said, catch it off of a, sort of a dump pass and hit those little push shots. Uh, and, and also as a lob finisher as well, and that high-low passer. You've seen 
you've seen everything that you would have possibly wanted to see to say, okay, this guy, if he just gets better at all of these things, uh, he's going to be a very special player on both ends of the floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, Justin, I mean, we, we about covered the gamut. Was there anything else on this team that, uh, that you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah, let's talk about the uh, Ed Davis garbage time minutes. <laughs> yeah. Another guy like Denzel Valentine where I saw him out there. I'm like, oh, Ed Davis is on this team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess talking about the Ed Davis uh, garbage time minutes, there have been about three of them and absolutely nothing has happened. So that's the end of our discussion. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the games have been relatively close. Even that Memphis game that I think ended as an 11 point Grizzlies win, like that was a possession game down in the last couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, Justin, thanks. uh, Thanks so much for coming on. This was this was a blast talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Um, Always happy to talk about anything. Can I ask you one more question before we go? Absolutely. I know we talked about like, oh, Denzel Valentine is on this team. Why is Denzel Valentine on this team? <laughs> That's just one thing I want to mention real quick. Like the, the contract for this year is partially guaranteed. Next year is non-guaranteed. Like there's a guy out there like James Ennis. We talked about the weakness this team has on the on the wing. Um, didn't really talk about Jetty Osmond that much, which Jetty Osmond has actually been um, like a very productive player as well. The defense is still a disaster, but the shooting has been up to this point, incredible. I don't expect it to hold up, but is James Ennis not a guy who could compete for minutes on this team, at least more so than Denzel Valentine? Yeah, you wonder. I mean, obviously at their prime, James Ennis was a vastly superior player. Um, I'm, I'm looking up now how old James Ennis is and how long has it even been since James, James Ennis was a productive NBA player, though, because... I mean, he wasn't, like, horrible on the Magic last year. Yeah, he's only 31. So yeah, that's a fair that's a fair point. Um, although you know, some sometimes those role player types do age out pretty quickly. Um, that's fair. It can happen overnight. It's happened to Denzel Valentine at what 27? <laughs> yeah, but it, it, you're absolutely right that the Denzel Valentine fit as far as you know what he brings to the table. I don't think this team really needs like he's more of a, and you, you've even seen it when he's been out there sort of running the offense when uh, in garbage time is he's it more of like a work at all. He's more of a shot creator for himself and he's not very good at even that, but that's kind of his best skill. Uh, whereas like, yeah, as, uh, as you mentioned, the Cavs are in desperate need of those three and D type wings. I mean, we're talking about this team this whole time and the Cavs again, four and four, they've been more than respectable so far. And yet like, can you imagine how good this team would be if they just had one, not even all-star caliber, just one starting caliber wing on this roster? Yeah. I have floated out there um, Bogdan Bogdanovich as an interesting guy in theory that could fit well on this team. Um, and I don't mean to get into another warm hole of trades, but say say Bradley Beal becomes available. Say that the Wizards somehow, with the Wizards, by the way, you – have been right on so far. They've been awesome. But say they fall off a cliff um, yeah. and Bradley Beal gets traded to the Hawks um, and they need Bogdan a salary match. Would the Wizards not be more interested in a younger player like Markkanen than they would in Bogdan? Um, and could Bogdan be rerouted to a third team in Cleveland? Hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, I just I also I also worry though that Bogdan isn't exactly the type of player the Cavs actually. Not exactly the type of player, but I think like 
you could start him next to two guards and it could work. I mean, and, and yeah, like I know Atlanta probably wouldn't want to get rid of this guy, but I think the ideal player for the Cavs would be someone like DeAndre Hunter. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that's I, I think, yeah, I think that was, that was part of the logic too, with the whole using Nance juniors contract to mm-hmm. end up making that sign and trade with Mark and is that, you know, you can test him out. He's young and hopefully his contract is, you know, tradable and that you can make a move maybe that fits better with the roster later. So that is, that is something to keep an eye out for. And given that, uh, given that this team is doing as well as they are now, maybe, maybe by the day, maybe the deadline, they'll be buyers. Maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. The marketing thing is weird. I think I'm, I'm with you as to where the, the hope was always that that could just be um, a positive enough value contract, but also big enough to where you can actually make like real trades with it for, you know, bigger name players. Um, but, but yeah, maybe, maybe they just think maybe marketing keeps playing well. If marketing can keep surviving on the defensive end, um, you know, the, the shooting was really good in the last game they played against the Hornets. I think he had 21 points. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe it works out better than we all even expected from now. Yeah. The, like, yeah, if he, if he continues to play defense like he has, and then, yeah, his shooting gets back to what we, what we saw, at least like even in his, uh, you know, in his weaker seasons in Chicago, where it was like somewhere in the 34 to 36% range. I mean, even that would be an improvement over what we've Mm -hmm. seen so far. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the Cavs, this Cavs team, they're, they're 20, uh, they're 26th in the NBA in three point shooting frequency. So they need all the three pointers that they could get at this stage. But, uh, Justin, again, thanks. Thanks so much for, for coming on and and taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Garrett. Thanks for listening to another episode of Duncan dynasty Corbin Ford and Garrett Bouguet here with you. And, uh, just wanted to to quickly say before we wrap up, uh, please subscribe, rate, review Duncan dynasty. We're on, uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify, wherever you get your, uh, your podcast. That is uh, much appreciated. You can find me, on uh, Twitter at Garrett Bouguet. Corbin, why don't you tell the people what you got going on? Oh, man, you can find me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. Uh, definitely make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. I mean, follow me is just an afterthought here. But if you want some more NBA content from yours truly, uh, check out Round Ball Ramble. Um, it is my podcast. You can also find uh, the description uh, on my Twitter handle, on my once you click on my Twitter handle. Uh, definitely check that out. And uh, yeah, a bunch of other um, assorted pods. I love talking hoops, just like my friend Gary does. So you know where to find me there. That's the main part to catch my work. Yeah, can't recommend Round Ball Ramble enough. Corbin does goes, does great stuff there, and I've appeared on it numerous times and uh, <laughs> hopefully will be uh, continuing to appear on it in the future. Again, we appreciate you all for listening, and, of course, enjoy the next week in the NBA calendar. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. 
Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.